I think there technically is a term called COVID romances. Really? Because I, <laughs> no I know, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, think about it. Like people were probably traveling and then stuck, hunkered down with, with family or friends. And so I was like, why not? You're onto something. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to The Right Note, a podcast dedicated to the independent author. From the craft of storytelling to the business side of publication, we cover it all. I'm J. Ryan Fenzel. And I'm Kira F. Jacobs. And this is The Right Note. In this episode, love is in the air as we welcome romance novelist Bitsy Yates into The Right Note studio to discuss first novels, second chances, and writing through a pandemic. Welcome back to The Right Note. Remember to join our community and follow us on Instagram at The Right Note Podcast. And if you like what you hear, post a nice comment about the show on podchaser.com. In honor of our guest, today's show has a romantic theme. Aha. Uh-huh. In keeping with that theme, this month's podcast shout out is Romancing the Story, hosted by Sarah Gamez. And it's a writing podcast focused on writing, storytelling, and the business of books, but she cleverly packages the shows within the romance genre. Uh, And each each episode, she does an interview and couples it with a topic. And here's a couple of examples of her topics, uh, writing multiple subgenres in romance, trope thesaurus, romance editions. What I like about it is she, she has real substantive topics, and it's just really cleverly done. Nice job. Shout out to Sarah. Go find Romancing the Story uh, wherever you find your podcast and give it a listen. Yeah, that sounds super interesting. Definitely go check that out. So this month's segment of Character is King. This segment is when we each pick a fictional character from either film, from a book, from poetry. And we we pick a character who we think are amazing creations. So since we're sticking with the romance theme this week, we are each picking a character who we feel fall into the romance category in one way or another. So this month we're going to have dad, you're going to head it off for us. Who is your pick for character is King. Now I'm going to preface this saying, when I say the character, most people are going to say, huh? Like why did, but I can explain it. So my character is King Pick, romance edition this month, is Phil Connors from the film Groundhog Day, played by Bill Murray. I, I see where you're going with this, but I'm curious to see what you have to say. Well, it's, it's, he has a great character arc in the story. I mean, he begins the film as a selfish, arrogant, obnoxious, sarcastic character who gets stuck in the, and most people know the story, he gets stuck in the living a day over and over like a time loop. And at first, he enjoys not having any consequences to his actions. I mean, no matter what he does, he wakes up the next day, which is the same day. But eventually, he starts using the repetition of the day to leverage information because he's trying to seduce the, uh, the female lead in the movie, Rita, played by Andy McDowell. And she's the news show producer that he works on. But she always rebuffs him. And, and and a lot of that is because of his character and how he is not genuine. And it's very, you know, the arrogant, obnoxious type person. And uh, at, at one point, he tries to uh, 
get with her and he, and he actually tells her that he loves her and she just looks at him and goes how could you love me you don't even know me and that kind of stung him a lot right he goes through days of depression and hopelessness but ultimately deciding that he must change his hollow life so he uses these days that he has and he changes himself and, and he starts helping people and then he uses the looping time so he he gets to know where everything's happening in town and he'll like he saves a kid from being hit by a car and changes the tire for some ladies uh, who have a flat tire. And um, he really becomes this caring, genuine, affectionate person who appreciates life in the arts and even learns how to play piano in this time. So at the end of the film, he, he comes to accept his circumstance and he finds peace when he realizes he has truly fallen in love with Rita now. It's not because he wants to seduce her anymore. He truly has gotten to know her through all these days and learning about her, and he actually loves her. And by, by Rita seeing this change in him, she actually falls for him. So I think it's a nice romantic story arc that, that this character goes through, Phil Connors. And Bill Murray just does a wonderful job playing it. That's a good pick, because he not only falls in love with with Rita, he learns to like himself a little more in that in those days that he is experiencing over and over. He goes from this super self-centered person to a uh, giving, caring person. So it, it's a nice it's a nice turnaround for 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 his character. I forget how that movie ends. <laughs> Does it ever end for him? Well, once he accepts this and and he truly loves her and she sees it in him and kind of reciprocates. And they um, they spend the night together, not sleeping together, but they just kind of they're together the whole night being, you know, and the next day comes and it's the next day. It's not Groundhog Day anymore. Oh, yeah. When he wakes up and, and there's it's snowing out and it wasn't snowing before. And the radio, the guys on the radio are saying something different. So it's something about he changed and and, the, and they found each other. And that, that seemed to be what had to happen for this loop to end. That's a good one. That was a good pick. I hope other people think so. <laughs> well, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that was a good one. My, I feel like mine is going to be, everyone who knows me is not going to be surprised that I picked it. But you may be surprised. Not that you don't know me. I'm your father. How can I be surprised? <laughs> well, I know you haven't you haven't read this character's story, but I talk about this book all the time and I'm kind of obsessed with it. And the character I chose is Laszlo Strange from Strange the Dreamer by Lainey Taylor. And see, you don't know him. You're looking at me funny. You are correct. I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I picked him is because, yes, there is romance in the book, but I love it. And I feel like the way that Lainey made made it happen makes it have weight to it. Because what I don't love is a Hallmark romance. <laughs> that is not interesting to me. And it is very predictable. There are no stakes. The only stakes, you know, normally is if this woman's going to go get her dream job or if she's going to stay with the guy. That's, that's not interesting to me. But Laszlo Strange is a very innocent person who has not experienced a lot of things. He's never really left where he, you know, grew up. People are very cruel to him. And so you you like him anyway, 
And so then when he does start falling in love with this girl that he meets in a dream, you like really root for him because you see that he really doesn't have anything else for him, you know? And there are stakes that are surrounded around their relationship. Like if he stays with her, bad things could happen or great things could happen. So I really liked that. So this is a fantasy-based story? This is a fantasy novel, yes. And basically, Laszlo meets this girl in his dreams, but she can go into other people's dreams and give them nightmares (laughs) because that's like her powers. But when she goes into his dream, it's the first time that someone can see her in their dream. So he sees her. She goes into people's dreams. Mm -hmm. Sounds like Freddy Krueger. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, she's supposed to give people nightmares because she she's technically a god and she wants or she is a god and she wants humanity to fear her because she doesn't want them to come for her to kill her, basically. So her job is to give people nightmares so that they stay away from her. (laughs) But then he sees her in his dream and he's like, oh, my gosh, she's beautiful. And then he finds out that she's real. And so it's kind of like their story of communicating through dreams and trying to figure out how to stop this war between God and humanity, this whole thing. And they have just a sweet story and you can root for them without even having to try. And he has a true, genuine heart towards her. So against a, what sounds like a a big, potentially cataclysmic story of God devastating the earth over whatever there's this love story at the center of it that's a smaller story but but by that fact it seems like it it's a, emphasizes the power of love in a way right is that kind of what i'm getting pretty much and their love can reconcile the gods and humanity which sounds so like not possible <laughs> but the way it's written is so good that you actually believe that it is possible So you should read that book. It's my favorite book ever. It's a two-book series. I read them both, and they're equally as good. And what was the title again? Strange the Dreamer by Lainey Taylor. And the second one is called Muse of Nightmares. Ooh. It's great. Nice pick, Kira. I think we both pick kind of off-the-wall characters that people wouldn't... I mean, I I can see people saying, uh, Romeo and Juliet, you know, or something like that, but... Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) But no, we we were kind of... uh, off the map. So that's good. Sweet. All right. It's time for the main event. Are you ready, Kira? I am ready. It is time to welcome romance novelist Bitsy Yates to the right note. Bitsy is a sixth grade English teacher in Hampton Roads, Virginia, and she earned a master's degree in teaching from Christopher Newport University and a bachelor's degree in English from Radford University. Her debut contemporary romance novel, Unapologetically Yours, is a story of first love and second chances. It was selected as an editor's pick on Amazon and was chosen for Amazon's January 2022 Book Club Book of the Month in the rom-com category. And it is described by reviewers as a warm hug of a book and a wonderful debut. It's available now uh, through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and IndieBound, and I'm sure other places as well. Bitsy's married and has two children, and uh, she is in the midst of writing her second novel. So, Bitsy, I want to welcome you to the right note. 
Hi, thank you for having me. Unapologetic Years, it's your debut novel. Could you give us just a, a quick synopsis uh, to kind of get us going in the right direction here? Yeah, it's a love story, Second Chances. It starts out with high school sweethearts and they go along life together, you know, as kids. And then once reality hits, once they have to make adult decisions, then it kind of falls apart. And then once she moves away, my main character, Isla, she moves away. And Sayer, my other main character, he stays put. And life eventually between jobs and divorces brings them back together again. And they have to make a decision whether they try it again or not. So it's a little synopsis. First thing I want to say is, I like your name choices because they're not the standard names like Isla and yeah. Sayer. I haven't heard those before. So that's that's a unique uh, aspect to it that I, I it like. It's refreshing, yes. <laughs> yeah. Isla, everyone thinks, they always think Isla is Isla. And it's funny because it's Isla, but that's okay. It is not a common name. <laughs> it's a pretty name though. Thanks. Did you always imagine yourself a romance novelist or did you experiment in other genres before finding your niche? in the romance field? So I was always a hopeless romantic growing up. And I don't know if it was like the fairy tales that we grew up with in the 90s or what, but I just loved that part of finding your true love. So that was to me the obvious choice. And so I just kind of go with it. I'm an empath. I'm a very <laughs> emotional person. <laughs> so I felt writing was kind of my way to, it was like kind of like therapy for me. I got to write about people that I've met. Um, I mean, I grew up with a journal and diary. I wrote in like every day, just about random things. And so when I started actually writing for real, it was during COVID. And my husband, you know, we're locked in at home. And he was like, why don't you just start writing? And I was like, God, oh, no, like it won't come into anything. It won't be anything. And he was like, no, just start. So I said, okay, fine. So I sat down and I just kind of wrote this story and I let it all go. And yeah, it kind of just came organically. Oh, that's so awesome. I love that. Yeah. That makes me feel like, I mean, I think a lot of people relate to the, like you grow up with people and then you move away and you never see them again, which is yeah. so weird. And especially if I it's know. somebody that, yeah, especially if it's someone that you had like a relationship with, like a solid relationship with. So I think people like reading romance stories that actually have to do with that storyline. I know. I feel like it's very relatable. I mean, some people never go back to each other and that's okay. But for that blip of time that we have on this earth, you know, it was so important at one point. And I think people tend to sometimes forget about those things and mm -hmm. I don't know, special times in people's lives. So I thought it was relatable. Do you feel that you relate more to Sayer or Isla? Definitely Isla. I think when I'm writing, I try to think of what I would do or what I would say, not always, but in certain like scenes or situations mm -hmm. in the book, definitely mirror what I would do. But I kind of threw some quirky things about her that weren't about me, obviously, but um, definitely were good for her. Yeah, I think that's a real common question authors get is how much of you is in the character? And, mm -hmm. and you really can't get away with with because you're the one writing it and, you, and it's your experiences you're kind of dumping into the character. But like you say, you, you give them their own personalities, too. So it's kind of a, a composite character, really, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
And I will tell you, I will be honest, if, if the character is about me or if it's like parts of me, definitely not all of me, but parts, yes. I think that's the good part. Like you said that you journal a lot. Um, I feel like writing is just another form of journaling almost. You can just it write is. parts of what you're going through. And yeah, it's like it's a, a it's form just, of therapy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's what every writer says. <laughs> I know, it totally is. We've actually said that on here. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our episodes. Yeah. So yeah, it is. It's the cheapest form of therapy there is out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like self-medicating. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And then hopefully one day it makes you money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Hey, but see, so your, your main character, Isla, mm-hmm. like we discussed, she makes the decision to pursue security in a career instead of listening to her heart and staying with her high school boyfriend. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, her life, goes in different directions. She didn't plan it. Not that great. And she comes back and starts questioning the wisdom of the decision she made. And I was wondering, do you feel that second guessing the big decisions in our lives is is a common dilemma like a lot of people have? Definitely. Um, And that's why I wanted to write about it because I feel like a lot of people go through it. Um, But uh, to me, I've learned as I've gotten older is it's all about like plan B. Um, usually you get in your head when you're younger, you're like, plan A, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to go to this college. I'm going to, you know, meet these people. I'm going to meet my husband. I'm going to have kids and we're going to get married. And you kind of like have this linear idea of what life is like, but then when things are thrown at you, you're, you have to make decisions and they're not basic. They're not decisions that you might normally have to make or want to make. So I think the plan B is always a smarter way to look at it. Plan A is great, but usually never happens. There's an expression called that's uh, no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. Yep. Meaning you can plan for everything, but as soon as you, as soon as the wheels hit the road, plan B, right? Yeah. And I'm a, I'm definitely a planner. I'm a teacher. Like I have to have my days planned out. And if random things happen, <laughs> just like, Oh, it just no. throws you, yeah. It throws me off. So I've had to learn plan B is the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> I know it is, it's crazy how, like, when you're young, you really do see your life as a linear climb. You do. And then when you start getting into it, it is not that way <laughs> at <Yeah>. all. <laughs> no. Yeah. Why does no one teach you that? <laughs> I know. No one, no one teaches you that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Here is definitely not on her glide path that she thought she'd be on five <laughs> years ago. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's crazy. But she's not complaining though. Right, exactly. Yeah. I love where I am now. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. When I read your book, I think it was maybe a year ago, year and a half ago now. Um, when I read your book, I remember the settings were described so beautifully. Specifically, I remember a, the scene where they're on the boat in the beginning yeah. of the story, I remember this. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was just done so well. Do you enjoy writing descriptions of settings or do you find it slightly daunting? Oh, I am obsessed with it. So being an empath, I really like take in all of the, whenever I go somewhere, whenever I travel, traveling is one of my favorite things to do. Because when I go to a new place, I feel like I just absorb all the people, all the settings, like all the sounds, all the, everything that I'm seeing. And I feel like um, using that in my story Mm -hmm. is um, easier for me to, to write. 
if I'm just writing about something that I've never done, it's really hard for me. But if I, I grew up in Massachusetts for the first 12 years of my life, Massachusetts is beautiful. And Mm -hmm. so really using that um, in my story helped me get excited about it. And then it also made it more fun to write. Yeah, because you're familiar with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of writers can get I know me personally, when I have to write something that is like heavily setting based, I'm like, oh no, I'm either going to over describe it or I'm not going to describe it enough. Like there's this happy medium. So I feel like I find it daunting, but you're right. You know, you grew up in Massachusetts. So when you write about that, it's something that is well known to you. Mm -hmm. And I relate to that. I know I wrote a story a while back, which will never go anywhere. It's just shelved. (laughs) But dad, you, you read this one. Is it Sacred Ridge? Yes, term? it is. <laughs> but that was heavily influenced by where I grew up. And I feel like writing the settings of that was easier. Mm-hmm. And I always find myself wanting to go back and writing another story like in that setting, just because it's you grew up with that and it's like comforting to you. It's almost like a nostalgic thing, you know? I know it's if for this book specifically, I was seven months pregnant with my daughter. And so I'm secretly trying to get my husband to move back to Massachusetts with me. And like, he will not, he will not leave Virginia. So every year we choose to go to one little town in New England that I, that I choose. He wants to have a say, but no, usually it ends up just being me. But, um, I picked Salem. I love like Halloween. Halloween's my favorite. And, um, the fall is my favorite too. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, we're going to Salem. And he's like, you're really pregnant. And I'm like, let's go. So when we got there, it was a disaster. But when we went to the old burial hill, it's Hocus Pocus was filmed. Part of Hocus Pocus was filmed there. Yes, I love the movie. I know. We walked around that graveyard and, you know, just looked at all the old tombstones. And across the street was like this scenic, like overlook. So seven months pregnant me was like trudging up the stairs. (laughs) And we get to this overlook and it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And it's actually the last scene of my book and she, where they're overlooking it. And uh, well, there's two scenes, I guess. And um, yeah, I was standing there and I was like, all right, it's going to be about this place. I just know it. That's so crazy that I feel like, so that scene, which is funny that you're like drawing that out. That scene is the one that stuck out to be the most was when they were there. So that's really cool yeah. that you just, yeah. you know, yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So I when I go to a place, I just feel, I just get a feeling. So like Kira said, I mean, uh, you described the settings beautifully. And yeah. and I've also read that from some reviewers who mentioned the same thing about how, how well you described the uh, the Massachusetts area. And, and I kind of want to ask you, do you feel that Massachusetts is, is just as much a character in your book as Isla and Sarah? Definitely. Like I said, when I go to a place, I get a certain feeling from it and it it inspires me to think of a story, think of a storyline, think of characters that might be there. Uh, we were out to dinner and I remember just looking around the restaurant and like I hear people talk and I hear people's personalities. And that's kind of where I draw a lot of um, my characters from is from the people that live there or the people that are from there. And so that was that was a cool thing to do. Uh, but yes, Massachusetts is definitely its own character. I'm writing a second book and my husband and I went to our second location that I picked was Newport, Rhode Island. Oh, wow. And, oh, beautiful. But 
we went there and I knew I kind of thought it would be where my second book would be, would take place just because that's what happened in Salem. But it took me a year to just kind of let it be and kind of marinate. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just started like writing stuff down on like notes and my, you know, my notepad on my phone and little post-its. And then it kind of came together. But yeah, places, settings give me that inspiration. I think I fell into that similar thing with with my books because we would vacation on the west side of Michigan, on Lake Michigan, oh, beautiful, and go to South Haven every year. And each time we'd go out there, I, I'd see something or hear about something that would give me an idea. So, like my first my first three books are pretty much set mostly on the west side of the state, mm. you know. And and I didn't plan that, yeah. but just just by being there and kind of you know, enjoying being there and learning about the history and things. It, it just kind of organically grew into stories, you know. Yeah. I always thought we were going on vacations, but it was book research. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's what I'll tell my kids when I get older. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you write off your vacations, Kira. You, you, yeah, you go business for business. Trip. Yeah. I remember you telling me that. <laughs> yeah. Is the book you're writing now, is that one also romance? Yes. So love it. Um, Oh, I, this one's longer. I feel like I learned so much from my first book. Um, and so this one, I had a few things I wanted to do. Like, I knew I wanted to make it more detailed. I knew I wanted to make it longer. The scenes, I really wanted to hone in on certain scenes um, throughout to give it just more thought, to give it more attention that it deserved. Um, and so I, this is like my little love project, but um, it incorporates COVID. I don't know if that's going to help me when I'm querying or not. <laughs> Um, I know. So interesting. So we'll see what happens. But so far, it's I'm loving it. But yeah, it's at Newport, Rhode Island. Do you have a set time every week or every day that you dedicate to writing? Because I know you you teach, you have kids. Mm -hmm. I have one kid and I already am like, it's a stressful time to find time to write. (laughs) Do you have a set time that you do? No. So (laughs) I feel like most writers, you know, they set time aside for them to like, you know, or they write at night or in the morning or they, they figure it out. I am not that way. I thought I'd be more strict about it, but with two kids and teaching, it's just, it's kind of just survival. So I just go when I feel inspired. I don't like have a set time that I sit down and write. I want it to, I want to be inspired to write so that when I'm sitting down and I'm writing, I have a purpose. And so if I'm driving in the car to work and I'm listening to a certain song, it'll bring me back to a memory or something from my past and that kind of is what inspires a lot of the scenes that happen in my books and so that that will inspire me to like I'll get to work before the kids come in and I'm just like sitting there typing sometimes it happens during nap time a lot of times it happens during nap time hey that's great (laughs) I know Um, but yeah I don't really have a set time which is I don't know if that's good or bad but it kind of it's just what works for me so every writer is different yeah, you got to steal time for yourself. I mean, whenever you see it, when I was traveling more for my day job in airports, it was a great time to sit down when you're waiting for a flight for an hour and a half, you know? Yeah. Sometimes, you, like you said, you don't you don't feel like writing, but sometimes if that's the time you got, yeah, that's what you, got. you sit down and then, yeah, you can get into it. You know, it's kind of funny how that works. Yeah. I have a question that's a little uh, philosophical, maybe. You said that, Traveling brings you peace, happiness, and inspiration. So what place have you gone where you felt all three of these things the most? 
would have to be Newport, Rhode Island. My husband and I were like, let's get away from the from the kids. Let's go on our own adventure. So that was peaceful in itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and right after COVID, so we were like, let's get out of here. That was very peaceful. I remember this moment when we got there and it's actually a scene that I put in my second book. We, it was like really bright. It was like seven thirty, eight, eight in the morning. It was in, it was May. It was in the spring. The flowers were like blooming. Birds were out and we walked out from our hotel and it's like cobblestone walkways everywhere. Cause it's just so old and historic and just beautiful. And we walked out and it was in front of one of, um, it was like in front of a church and everything was green and colorful and nobody else was around. Like no one was around. So we walked around and I just, oh, it was beautiful. I just got this certain feeling when I, when we were doing it, had my coffee and I was just in love with, with, with the, with the city. But, um, we then, yeah, we took a drive on ocean drive. I don't know if y'all have heard of, it's kind of one, like one of Newport's things. And, um, so we took a drive and we were like walking on the, it's like all rocky. The ocean is like really rocky there. And so we're walking on the rocks and we sat down and I just looked out and I just felt really small, but like in a good way. Yeah. I totally know what you mean. Yeah. I felt small, but I was like, it reminded me of like, kind of grounded me actually. And so that's, yeah, that's where I kind of got inspired for the second book. But yeah, it places and settings and people and it has such a impact on my writing. I think if I was to not travel, I don't think I would come up with a lot of the things I come up with. So I just dragged my husband around New England <laughs> once a year. Yeah, maybe one day he'll <laughs> want to go back <laughs> for good. I know. It's my <laughs> secret plans so far, so that's so funny oh yeah I love that I would say that's where I felt more most more peaceful inspired and definitely just yeah it was a great way it was a great trip that kind of actually like leads into our next question what mm-hmm. is your favorite way to refill your creative well like I know traveling is obviously I think for a lot of writers a way that people there a way that they do that but is there anything else that you do maybe on like a daily basis or like a monthly basis that you feel like when you're not feeling inspired that you go do to help you get, you know, refill? So music, music is a huge, I, I play the piano for a lot of years and yeah, classical music is really great. I like a lot of like acoustic stuff and, and whatever I get in a rut, I guess that's what I just listen to music and I put a candle on and I just sit and I kind of just start journaling that brings a few things out. That's cool. I know dad, you and I have talked about music before, how we listen to that to get, you know, our creative juices flowing. And yeah, it really, it really is. Yeah. Soundtracks from movies and stuff mm-hmm. that kind of in the background and can get you in a certain mood and helps you write certain scenes for sure. Yeah. It brings out a lot of emotion and that's always helpful when you're writing scenes. Switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about kind of the publication process. Mm-hmm. Jared mentioned that for unapologetically yours, you went with a hybrid publication model. Yes. Could you discuss a little bit about what that is? Because when me and Kira, at least we take the reins and then and, and more or less do it all. Right. I was curious about the hybrid part of it. How does that work? So it's like you have, you know, the independent, you doing it yourself. And then you have traditional where I feel like the publisher just kind of takes it and runs. And I feel like a lot of times authors don't really have a lot of say. So the hybrid model is like 
a mix between the two. Like I did a lot of my own marketing. Kohler did a lot of my marketing too, but they kind of held hands and like walked me through the whole process and editing. I, I had a say in their edits. Like I remember they sent me, they would send me back emails of like certain notes and um, I would go in and change it. And if I didn't want to change it, like that was okay. I, I would, you know, we, we would talk about it, explain it and move things around and that worked out. But I feel like I just got a lot of say in what I wanted to publish and what I wanted to put out there. And it kind of got my foot in the door. I feel like it was a great way for me to get my foot in the door, to gain that confidence that I needed to continue writing and continue wanting to get my words out. And I think writing is so vulnerable and it's such a hard, it's such a, like, it comes from the heart. So it's very, it makes you vulnerable. So when other people are reading it and critiquing it, you know, sometimes it's hard not to take it personally, but I feel like my publisher was, they were just so easy to work with. Um, But yeah, marketing, I learned a lot about marketing, my own, you know, my own. And so that was a whole other that was a whole other beast that I learned how to tackle. It is a lot of times it's daunting because you're sitting there and you're just like, what do I do? And then other indie authors like Victoria McCombs, she helped me a lot. She helped me, gave me ideas about marketing and how to get how to get your your name and your book out She's there. She's so. good to follow if you have like questions about yeah I always look at her stuff (laughs) me too yeah (laughs) me too she does a lot of reels and I'm I'm just so I'm like an extrovert until I'm an introvert and I feel like the introvert part of me just gets in my shell and I just can't do a lot of those things I mean I know I need to but a lot of the social media stuff I'm not comfortable yet yeah I know it's difficult (laughs) yes you do a great job Kira oh girl no (laughs) No, your reels are really, I'm like, that's a great idea. Like, the, I'm like, how do you steal my ideas? You do it for yourself. Like, to, you can totally steal my ideas. <laughs> I told you, Kara, you, you do good she reels. Does. I told her that. You know what's hard, though, is like Instagram wants you to do a reel like every day. And I just can't. If I make one good reel a week, like, great. <laughs> if I don't do anything else, like, I just, I can't be one of those people who's like, okay, I'm going to post once a day or twice a day. Like, yeah. I don't have the capacity for that. I just don't do it. <laughs> no, I know. And I I remember I remember when I first started on my my Instagram for like my author. I have have two separate ones. I have like my real life and then I have like my author one. And I was like, I have this I have this image of what I want it to look like and da da da. And now it's just like not that and it's kind of just a mix of everything. So I know I need to like work on that, but <laughs> No, I think it's fun. Like I enjoy when I go to an author's page and it's a mix of like their work and their family and their travels. And I just, yeah, it makes them feel more real instead of like a perfect picture or a perfect reel on like every row. And I'm like, dang, <laughs> they got some time <laughs> to make that look nice. Yeah. <laughs> time that I don't it's have. so funny. Cause like when I started doing uh, writing and, and publishing and stuff, it was almost 20 years ago when I would be, you know, uh, 2006 is one of my first book. Mm-hmm. And it's so different now than it was back then because social media presence wasn't nearly what it is now. And it was still, you 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 sent a press release to a newspaper, which they don't exist anymore, <laughs> you know? And even so, uh, my primary uh, marketing is, is actually going and doing shows on the West Coast of the state or wherever they are and the, the kind of art and craft shows and things mm-hmm. and, you know, meet the local author. 
And and that was a primary way that I marketed my book, you know, and it's more word of mouth and 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 uh, just talking to people. Yeah. You know, and now it's in social media. It's blown up and it's it's a lot like TikTok. There I know a lot of authors use TikTok. I'm like, what? <laughs> so it's <laughs> and I'm I'm fairly I mean, I'm 30, I'll be 33 at the end of the month. So I feel like I'm either I'm in that range where you're going to really be good at it or you're not going to use it at all. And I feel like I'm kind of in the middle, but it is a great way to like get get people aware of you and your work. So it's it's a great thing, but it's also very daunting. Yeah, that's something that I actually I did not want to join TikTok because I was like, ew, what is that? I just scroll through the videos and laugh at other people. Yeah, it is really so (laughs) ridiculous, but I will not lie. I did. I did start a TikTok in this last summer and I see it being more beneficial to me than my Instagram, which is so weird because I like spend most of my priority on my Instagram. Yeah. But then it also comes down to like, they have their own algorithms and you just can't follow that. Like I will never it's just understand. Unrealistic. Yeah. It's so unrealistic. I think that's a pressure that authors have is to make their social media presence so good, you know, mm-hmm. that they just drain themselves. Like, I think it's a pressure that authors shouldn't have. Like, I think you should market, yeah. but if you're on social media more than you're writing, then how is that actually helping your craft? You know? <laughs> right. And then like I had, so I remember Instagram last summer, I had like my first on my author account and then they like deleted it and it was like gone. And I was like, what? (laughs) I had no idea what happened. I was all, all my posts, followers, but not that I have a lot of followers at all, but, and I was freaked out. I was like, oh great. Now I got to start over again. And then, yeah, now I have a second one and I'm trying that. It's just a mess, but I'm learning. It's a process. It's weird. It's just a weird time when social media is like thriving and everyone's trying to take advantage of that. You know, mm-hmm. it's just hard. It's hard. Do you plan on going indie or traditional or hybrid with your next book or do you not really know yet? I definitely want to try traditional. Um, the hybrid kind of, like I said, got my foot in the door, gave me that confidence that I needed. And so now I'm going to start, I'm going to finish. I'm about 200 pages in my idea is to get to like 250. I think that would be a good sweet spot for this book. Then I'm going to start querying out. I, what I've done though, what I do is I look at publishers and agents and all that. And, you know, I mean, I know, you know, I'm just a little indie author, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm probably, I'm not gonna be the New York times bestselling author. Like I already know that it's just very, it's interesting to see like you know, what you could do. There's so many decisions and stuff, but I go on websites and I look and I see like what agents do romance and then what, what are they looking for? And I wrote down lists of public publishers and agents that when it's right, I'm going to start querying. So yeah, I'm going to try the traditional way and see what happens. That's awesome. That is another thing where, you know, like putting your work into somebody else's hands and letting them say yes or no is that's hard. It is hard. There's been, there was a lot of rejection the first go around. Every author has that. <laughs> I know. And my husband was like, J.K. Rowling, 12 or 14 publishers. And I was like, stop. Yeah. I, was like, yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm not J.K. Rowling. But, um, you know, it was very, it's, it's, a, it's a journey. It's a lot of self-reflection too. Yeah. I know. I feel like it's hard to see your writing as like a career almost because you, you only see like the good stories, you know, 
the author of Shadow and Bone, and now her her book is like this whole series on Netflix, and you only really see that, you know, yeah. and you're like, you would love to get to that point, but you don't you don't see her past and how you know what she wrote to get up to that point like it is a career even though if you're not making you know money off of what you've done in the past or like what you're doing now like you're still building your career just like any other job right and that's why it was important for me to just go hybrid because I was like well I get to learn a lot of things I get to get that experience and then now I kind of know what I want and what I want to look for in a publisher so it really gave me a lot of insight into the publishing world, which is is a lot more tedious than I thought. Well, I think writers, I mean, we, we get into it. We get into writing because we like doing it in, in our passion, you know, and it, we can't think, oh, I'm going to be New York Times bestseller. Uh, because it, it, cause then if, if that's really why you're getting into it, you're going to be disappointed real quick and then you won't stick with it, right? But I think most most writers... They love to do it and they love people to read their stuff. And I think that's why like social media, I'm not really worried about like followers and all that because I do, that doesn't, you know, I just want someone to read the words that I put on paper and relate to it. That's my huge, that's my biggest, that's my biggest hope is that whatever I write, anybody, doesn't matter what age, whatever, you know, would read it and be inspired by it or I don't know. That's just my hope is for my readers to just take my words and relate it to their own life. Do you have events or things coming up uh, on the horizon for Unapologetic Years? Or are you, uh, you, de- you deep into the second novel? Yeah. Different characters or same characters? Different. Totally different. Yeah. Um, this one is, it's, it's a standalone again. Um, but the way that I'm tracking the ending could open itself up to a second book for well, I guess my third, but my second book to the second book, I guess. But I love the characters. I love the scenes. I think my scenes are more mature than they were in my first book. And so I'm excited about that. Do you have a working title for your new book or are you still working that out? I do. So since it has like parts of COVID in- involved, I came up with Viral Attraction. Ooh. So that's my working title right now. It's interesting that you're going to use COVID in it because like I've seen um, like I've seen agents either actually ask for that, like they're interested oh, really? in books with COVID. Yeah. Oh my God, I haven't even looked yet. Oh, if I find- <laughs> I'm so terrified. Okay, if I find some, I'll send some to you. Yeah, do that. Yeah, definitely. Because then I've also seen agents who are like, please don't put COVID, like I'm over it, you know? Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, but that kind of proves that you have like some agents will like your work and some agents won't and it. It literally takes one guess. Yeah. And it's not like COVID's in there. It wasn't, it's not the basis of the whole story, mm-hmm. but I wrote certain parts like, you know, Lysoling all the time and getting your groceries delivered and, you know, masks and all that. Like there's little parts of it, but it's definitely not the main aspect um, that I wanted it to be, but it's, uh, it's, it's in there, but I think it makes the story just a little bit more interesting definitely relatable after what we all went through the last few years. So yeah, I'm hoping I'm like, either it's going to help me or it's going to hurt me when it comes to agents, publishers, who knows, but I know what you mean. Yeah. I think that's like um, when 9-11 happened, there was a long time that you, mm-hmm. you didn't see it much in books right away and just started filtering in, but it was a while after that happened where you saw 9-11 start working into stories and 
things like that, you know, and then the pandemic, it's similar kind of thing, you know, is uh, like traumatic for some people, like, totally, <laughs> yeah, it's like totally. lose your job. And yeah, and right after it, people are like, I'm done with that. So let's, uh, let's not go back there, you know, so, but I think now it's, you, you can look back on it now and say, oh, you know, it was kind of a odd, interesting time, you know, and, and it, it'd be good. Uh, like you said, it's an interesting uh, setting for the story. It's like unique to what we all experience together, too. It's just it's weird to think that even like my kid, like he was born during that time. And so was so yeah. was yours, right? Peyton, my first. Yeah. yeah right like, before. Yes. So they were like born during that time. And but they're not going to remember it, which is so weird to me. Like, I'm going to remember that, but he won't, you know, just so yeah. strange. And my characters, so they get stuck in a house together. <laughs> and that's kind of how they, you know, start their connection. But yeah, I, I was like, well, what other what other moment could they sit in one place together? I was like, well, that's where the COVID part came in. I was like, yeah. forced people to stay in one place and hunker down and so yeah, that's I think there technically is a term called COVID romances. Like I actually think, yeah. Really? You need, yeah, you need to look this up. You need to look this up. <laughs> like, like, now I'm I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, think about it. Like people were probably traveling and then stuck, hunkered down with, with family or friends. And so I was like, why not? People might relate to that. So I just went with it. You're on to something. Yeah. <laughs> If I find if I find someone who specifically mentions that, I will send them your way. Please do. <laughs> All right. Well, Bitsy, I, I want to say thank you for coming on to the right now with yeah, us. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a, a fun conversation. Yeah. And everyone remember unapologetically yours, Kohler Books. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Ingram, everywhere. And if Someone wants to get a hold of you or, or you have a web page. Yeah, or, uh, it's just author Bitsy Yate um, for Instagram. And yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> we <laughs> love it. it. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> so I'm sure the more that I, you know, write and get out there, it'll, it'll be better. But that's about it. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks a lot. And uh, it's been fun. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Remember, keep your pen to the page and write on. <laughs>